What's up, guys? Welcome to the Engage JSU podcast. We are an on-campus ministry here at Jacksonville State University. We want to see God's kingdom come here at JSU as it is in heaven. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of Ephesians. We are going to continue. So actually be our last sermon in our God's plan series through the book of Ephesians. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 6, looking at verses 1 through 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Let's read. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for, again, giving us your word that reveals the truth, your truth to us. Father, I pray that As we look at your word, Father, that you would help me, just as Paul prayed to, boldly proclaim the mystery of your gospel. Father, would you give me supernatural strength to preach your word? Would you give life to those who don't know you and don't have life? Would you give encouragement and strength to those who are following you, that they could persevere with all strength. Father, I pray and ask this in Christ's name. Amen. When I thought about what I would preach tonight from Ephesians chapter 6, it made me think of the time period when COVID first started and Everything really began to shut down. One of the things that hit me the hardest was the fact that all the gyms were closed. 
I was able to work from home. I was able to keep my job. I was able to, you know, go to the store with a mask on and get groceries and stand in line at the store. I've never done that before and never done that since. But during that period, all the gyms were shut down for good reason, right? And so eventually, after a couple of months, I realized, well, this isn't going away anytime soon. I thought to myself, I need to do something. I need physical exercise, right? Everybody says your health of, the health of your body will help protect you from COVID. If you have a strong body, at least it might help a little bit, right? So I thought, I need to do something. And I've always hated running. I've always loved lifting weights, like typical bro style, love lifting weights, but hated running, right? And so I thought, well, there's no, there's no weights, there's no gym to go to, I guess I'll just have to become a runner. So one Monday morning, I said, this is it, I'm going to start. I'm going to run around the block, and I'm going to work myself up to a mile. So the first week, every single day, every morning, I was up six, sometimes seven, and I would go for a run, and I felt really good about myself, right? Felt really great. In fact, after that first week, I ran every single day that morning. I remember telling my small group, yeah, you know, I've just decided to start running. It's just something I do now. Of course, after that week, I never ran again, ever. I haven't run since then. And eventually, gyms opened back up, and I was able to work out because they had the equipment that I needed. So I experienced one week of running because there was no equipment. But from our text tonight, I want us to see that spiritually God gives us all the equipment we need. God gives us all the equipment we need. Again, if you're a note taker tonight, I want you to see that since the Lord provides spiritual armor, we must equip ourselves for battle. Since the Lord provides spiritual armor, we must equip ourselves for battle. And again, tonight, I want to look at two sections of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. I want us to look at the reason or why we equip ourselves for battle. And then I want to look at the way or how we equip ourselves for battle. So let's take a look at verses 10, starting in verse 10 on why we equip ourselves for battle. Paul says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly places. And so the first thing I want us to see as we look at why we equip ourselves for battle is really simple. We have a real enemy. I think sometimes we neglect to think about the reality of Satan 
and evil forces. Paul says that they're crafty, they, they're scheming. We, we don't always recognize as we pray, as we read the word, as we share our faith, as we try to walk this Christian life, we don't always remember that we have a real enemy. Sometimes when we think about Satan, when we think about demons, we, we think about possession. We think about demonic possession. And there's all kinds of examples of that in the Bible. But tonight I want us to focus on some of the more common ways that Satan attacks. Especially the ways that Satan attacks believers. I believe that those who trust in Christ are filled with the Holy Spirit. They can't be possessed by Satan or the devil. But they can be attacked. Paul says that the devil has schemes. We're equipped so we can stand against the schemes of the devil. But, but what are the schemes of Satan? Paul says he has schemes, but what are the schemes of Satan? Well, the primary way that Satan is described in the Bible is as a liar. Satan's described as a liar. Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 says that Satan is the deceiver of the whole world. Some of the ways that Satan lies is by trying to introduce doubt about what God has said to us. Remember back in the garden with Adam and Eve, Satan says, did God really say? He introduces doubt about the word of God. We remember when Jesus was tempted during his earthly ministry, when Satan came to tempt Jesus, Satan came as one who would twist scripture. He didn't ask Jesus, did God really say? But he's quoted and misquoted scripture to Jesus. God did say, didn't he? Satan comes as the bringer of lies. He's the slanderer and accuser of Christians. In fact, the word devil really comes from the Greek word diabolos, which means slanderer and accuser. We see that Satan is described as an angel of light. He doesn't come scary like we think, but he rather comes as a schemer, a liar, one that would come to deceive. Not only do we see that one of Satan's schemes is to lie, he's a liar from the beginning, we see that Satan is often described as the tempter. Another scheme of Satan is temptation. He'll convince you that sin is sweet. That sin would be pleasurable. It's worth it. Maybe he'll convince you that it won't really have any consequences. 
Not only does Satan tempt us to sin, but specifically he tempts us to join in his lies. He seeks for us to join in his lies as he lies. Satan is the tempter. And even as we think about the temptation of Satan, we need to understand that Satan's not just an equal opportunity tempter. He actually prowls around. He has his demons looking for ways that he can specifically target specific people. Think about the verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. In verse 2 and in verse 9 of that chapter, Paul's talking about singleness and marriage. And he talks about how married couples... One of the reasons that people should get married is to fight the temptation of Satan. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, 9, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. In verse 2, he says, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, Paul says this, anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, I have forgiven. If I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ so that we would not be outwitted by Satan for we are not ignorant of his designs. So Satan not only is the tempter, but he finds unique struggles. Oh, you're burning with passion. Oh, you have a root of bitterness. You're struggling to forgive. By walking in righteousness, instead of Satan outwitting us, we can outwit him. But not only is Satan a liar and a tempter, he's also a thief. We think of salvation in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus says this in the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Satan comes to snatch away the word. He's a liar, a tempter, and a thief. We also see that Satan is a destroyer. In fact, one of the most famous verses about Satan is that he is, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5 says this, and it's actually about church discipline. You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. You're kind of like, what? 
What's going on there is someone caught in a major public unrepentant sin. And Paul is saying, cast him out. Cast him out from among you. And then what's going to happen? Satan will come after him. But it is so that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. Satan comes for the destruction of the flesh. He is a destroyer. And sometimes the only way to see the seriousness of our sin and the destructiveness of sin and the lies of Satan is to be handed over to it can actually save our souls. We also see that Satan is a disruptor. He's a liar, he's a tempter, he's a thief, he's a destroyer. He's also a disruptor of plans. 1 Thessalonians 2.18 says, Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. Think about what Jesus says to Peter when Peter tells Jesus that he can't possibly go to Jerusalem and die on a cross. He's supposed to be the king. Jesus tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. To try and disrupt the plan of God with with a man-centered thinking, with worldliness, is what Peter does and Jesus calls him Satan. Satan has many schemes. He's a liar, a tempter, a thief, a destroyer, a disruptor. And Paul says that we've been given equipment so that we would withstand the schemes of Satan. You know, I saw a meme a couple of months ago, and it said something like, you know, by the age of 35, every man either gets into barbecue or World War II history. And I am 31, and I'm into both. And one of the books that I've been reading, trying to finish, is a book by Victor Davis Hanson about the Second World War. And he actually makes an interesting point about what happens in the Second World War and why Hitler, one of the reasons Hitler ended up losing. You see, Hitler actually underestimated Britain. He thought that they were small. He thought that they were the weak link of the Allied triad because they were a small land and small population place. He thought that America would be too tired from World War I and and too downtrodden to really be able to put up much of a fight in World War II. He thought that they would continue to be isolationists, that they wouldn't come to the fight. But eventually, Britain had more technology, more aircraft, more vehicle production. They were superior. You see, Hitler actually underestimated Britain. 
America was one of the highest producing countries at the time. The U.S. economy alone was almost larger than the Axis and other allied powers combined. When they teamed up, Hitler and his forces were no match. And really it was because he underestimated his enemy. I've got a question for you tonight. Are you underestimating your enemy? We ought not overestimate Satan's power. He's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He's not all-powerful like God is. But don't make the mistake of underestimating him either. He's crafty. He has schemes. One of the things that Paul says here is that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but rather we wrestle against cosmic forces, spiritual forces, forces of darkness. So one of the things that when we think about this verse, we should be quick to recognize as we don't underestimate our enemy is that things that seem to be flesh and blood often are not. Have you ever been discouraged right before church? Have you ever gone to share your faith and be crippled by fear? Have you ever just been out and about tempted by sin? Brothers and sisters, this is not flesh and blood you're wrestling against, but cosmic powers. And even as we think about Satan and we think about how he lies and how he works, we need to remember that at some level we all have the ability to be an instrument of Satan. How do the lies of Satan proliferate? How is temptation manifest? It's through those in the kingdom of darkness spreading the darkness. So I would just ask you and I would just tell you one of the things we need to apply to ourselves as we think about this passage is we shouldn't be instruments of Satan. We shouldn't proliferate satanic lies. We shouldn't be an instrument of temptation because Satan is scheming and he's crafty and he never comes as an angel of darkness but an angel of of light. He's a trickster. Well, we see why we should equip ourselves for battle, but let's look at, let's take a look at how we equip ourselves for battle. We know we have a great enemy who would seek to kill, steal, destroy but we also see we have a greater God who's already given us the victory. Paul says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
One of the ways we stand in the face of the enemy is not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Lord. Then Paul says in verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So in this fight, the Lord has provided. Just as we see throughout scripture, God is our provider. He's provided spiritual armor for us. Armor to withstand the evil day. This evil day is our, it's our current age. But it also speaks to particularly hard spiritual days for you. I think every Christian will face spiritual crises. Paul wants us to stand firm when those things come. He's warning you now. You're young. Maybe you haven't seen any of these before, but they are coming. And God's given you armor to stand. And the first thing Paul says is to stand having fastened on the belt of truth. Belt. This idea of keeping something up. Girding up. It, it holds together all the other items. Paul describes it as a belt of truth. It's truthfulness. It's the truth of God's word. You notice that it combats the liar. The way to combat the liar, the evil one, is with the truth. Living a life of truthfulness, following the truth of God's word. Paul says to put on the breastplate of righteousness. What does the plate, the breastplate cover? Well, it guards your heart. Guard your heart with righteous living. James chapter 4, verse 7 through 8, one of the most popular verses when thinking about resisting Satan. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. A righteous life of drawing near to God through prayer and reading his word through saying no to sin over and over, resist the devil and he will flee. Persisting in righteousness in your life is spiritual warfare. You fight the lies of doubt and the allure of temptation by standing firm in what you know is right. Persist in righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Paul gives us a belt, a breastplate, and then he says shoes. And it's no mistake that he says shoes because shoes keep your foot from slipping. They make you ready. Paul tells us to stand firm and we stand firm grounded in the gospel of peace. Be a proclaimer of the gospel to yourself and to others. 
as shoes for your feet. Put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, Paul says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And there's actually two words for shield. One would describe a shield that's kind of the size of Captain America's shield. No hate on Captain. But the shield that Paul's describing here is a shield that would cover your entire body. It shields the whole person. So in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. And while we do have faith that saves us through Christ, there's also a general faith in God as believers that can actually increase over time. And the Bible actually says that if you want to be strong in faith, whenever it describes faith, it, it always says to continue in faith. Stand firm in your faith. Have faith. Hold fast to faith. Endure with faith. And the idea is that if you are going to take up the shield of faith, if you're going to fight the lies of doubt with faith, the answer is to keep hoping in God. Just keep hoping in God. Take up the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. You see, because a helmet provides safety and security, protects your head. And the safety and security that we have in the salvation of Christ is meant to be spiritual armor to withstand the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Sword is one of the only offensive weapons that we see here. But just like everything else in the armor, it's really used defensively. The word of God beats back the lies of Satan. It beats back the destroyer, the tempter, and the thief. Do you know the word of God? Finally, Paul says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Be alert. Be watchful. Endure in prayerfulness. And in all these things, continue in prayer. Pray without ceasing, the Bible will say elsewhere. As we stand against Satan, as we stand against the tempter, the liar, the thief, we're to do all things in prayer. Paul ends this section this way when speaking about prayer. And also for me, that the words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Pray for, your, pray for yourself to withstand the enemy. 
Pray for your pastors. Pray for me. Pray for the ones with the big target on their back because they stand up on stage in front of you and proclaim the gospel. Brothers and sisters, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the ruler of darkness. Pray for the word proclaimers in every local church. Pray for yourself that you would be an evangelist. Pray for more evangelists. Pray for more evangelism in your life. Brothers and sisters, declare the word of God. Take up your sword of truth. The word and prayer. The word and prayer. The word and prayer. This is so much of the Christian life. There's a little book that I've been reading with our directors this semester and I've read with a couple of other people. It's called Personal Spiritual Disciplines by a man named Donald S. Whitney. He was a professor at the seminary that I went to. He has a great little quote that actually Amber pointed out to me last week says this, imagine yourself in the midst of a decision and needing guidance, struggling with a difficult temptation and needing victory. The Holy Spirit enters your mental arsenal and looks around for available weapons, but all he finds is a John 3.16, a Genesis 1.1, and a great commission. Those are great swords, but they're not made for every battle. How do we go about filling our personal, spiritual arsenal with a supply of swords for the Holy Spirit to use? It's by knowing our Bibles, by storing it in our hearts, by memorizing scripture, reading scripture, just knowing our way around our Bibles. So if you want to think about the fight, the battle, I think sometimes we don't think that the simple, regular Bible reading, the Bible memorization, we don't think about those things as ways to fight. But they are. Persist in them. Persist in them. If you don't have a regular time of reading your Bible, do it. Find a time every day where you can read your Bible. If you're struggling with something spiritually, if you're struggling with sin, find verses that speak to what you're struggling to, memorize them, and fight the enemy. Pray without ceasing. How's your prayer life? How do you pray? One of the greatest things that we can do is read the Bible, read what God says, and pray according to the Bible. Do you want to know the will of God? In part, it's revealed right here. We can pray in accordance with what we know God's will for us is. Live what you read. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Walk as children 
of the light, those who have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness. Listen, evil days are here and more than likely an evil day in your life is coming. We might not always see it, but the battle is happening all around us. Life and death are at stake. Paul says, put on your armor and stand firm. Not in your own strength, but in the strength of the Lord that he provides. In the armor of the Lord that he provides. The battle is won. Christ is victorious. Stand firm. As we await the final day, as we await the final victory where Christ returns and Satan is cast out forever. The battle is won. Stand firm. Let's pray. Dear Father, even as we've read your word that would tell us to stand firm, Father, we face so many trials, so many temptations, so many snares, so many schemes that we aren't ready for. Father, would you help us? Would you help us to recognize the schemes of Satan? Would you help us to stand firm? Would you help us to trust in your victory, trust in your victorious son, Christ who has defeated death, defeated Satan, and comes back to fully and finally defeat him forever. Father, we pray and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.